right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Hour two brought to you by Allison Insurance. Bob and Robert's uh, Bob and Robert Allison always have your back at Allison Insurance. You can check them out online right now at allisoninsurance.com or give them a call at 405-745-2968. Also a reminder, download the app. Consistent, always there, anytime you need us, anywhere. And I do mean anywhere, 24-7-365. Now, more Cruton talk coming up. Obviously, in hour four today, uh, Parker Thune is going to roll in with Mike Steele. Or maybe you could say hour one of Steelman and Thune at noon. And they'll have a complete recap from Sooners Under the Stars on Friday night, Party at the Palace on Saturday, busy weekend of visits, see four four more recruits who've started to trim their list a little bit. We'll get to that. And then obviously later on today, Michael Patterson McDonald will make his commitment. I've seen four and three star. I also see a very kind of unique mix of schools. You got Oklahoma there, but then Missouri, Houston, and UNLV. Not, not kind of the traditional names, Josh, that we've seen Oklahoma going up against uh, over the last couple of weeks. But maybe the feeling was, hey, Oklahoma's offered early, and this is going to be an uphill climb to begin with. And, boy, just seems as if, again, this is me just following along. But it seems like this has been a pretty pretty big safety class for a lot of teams. In other words, a lot of five-star guys that teams have already received. So, you know, maybe there were commitments given before they, they dove after Patterson McDonald. I don't know. But I just, I'm excited to see where he ends up later this afternoon because all intention seems to be that he's headed to Norman. And that final four, uh, can you read that off, please, for the people? Yes, Oklahoma, Missouri, Houston and UNLV. Four schools that commonly recruit against one another. Just not Oklahoma usually in that mix, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's an eclectic <laughs> group, but yeah, it's uh you just you just wonder uh Michael Patterson McDonald if uh other schools kind of, you know, the the schools that would typically Oklahoma would be recruiting against if they mm-hmm. kind of kind of knew that this thing was slanted Oklahoma's direction once uh, once the Sooners offered and sort of said, yeah, we're, we're not going to uh, waste our energy or time because that's such a strong Oklahoma lean. Sure. Maybe so. But we'll be all over it. And, and obviously that all the information I got for that is on our Twitter feed at KREF Sports. All right, I had promised to get to tweets last hour and text, and we never did it. At Josh on Ref, at Plank Show. Everyone follow us at KREF Sports on X or Twitter, whatever it is now. Uh, and, of course, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is the truly best way to stay in touch with the program. We just had a conversation about another another Georgia player getting arrested for speeding. <laughs> and we got this. Uh, Spencer's a rattler used to blow down my residential neighborhood at seemingly 80 miles an hour. I started throwing tennis balls at his Camaro every time, and he stopped. We... Speaking of throwing things at speeding cars, I, by the way, I, I'm taking you at your word, 405, even though all I have is your, is your phone number. <laughs> but I'm taking you at your word. Josh, when I lived in my very first house in Tulsa, very first house back in, oh, gosh, 2000. So we're going back 23 years ago. 
This was before the gathering place, and it was right in that area. I mean, it was literally, I think it was, so it was like 33rd and Riverside, 33rd, 34th and Riverside. And our road was one of those that from Peoria to Riverside, Tulsans, you know what I'm talking about, you can kind of cut through. And there was only a couple of stoplights. And people would fly. So my meth head neighbor, not kidding, pretty sure he was on meth, pretty sure he cooked it. But my meth head neighbor started taking like this mannequin and he would throw it out in the road when people were driving through and they would run over it and freak out. And then whenever they would get out to say something to him, they're like, oh, bro, you're a meth head. I'm going to go on. We had the cops come by one time. I would just sit there and watch out the window. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Hey, Amy, he's going to do it again. And you'd see the car stop, and this dude was blowing down. through. It's like 35, and he's going at least 60. And he throws that mannequin or dummy or whatever it was, and boom, it hits that car. Immediately hit the brakes. Guy gets out, cell phone in hand, calls the cops. I mean, it was it was like instant. Like people have been waiting. But tennis ball probably a little bit more effective than mannequin, right, wouldn't you think? Well, <laughs> couldn't the uh, mannequin tosser get into some legitimate trouble for damaging these vehicles? Well, okay, I, I got to be – I don't think it was a true mannequin. It was, like, softer. So when I say mannequin, I'm it was like a pillowy mannequin-like figure. So it wasn't like – Like a blow-up doll? A little heavier than that. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what it was made of, all right? But I remember him telling me the story one time and showing it to me, and I was like, ah, ah, what is that? Because it wasn't, I don't know. It, hey, man, listen, I don't know who I was living next to at the time. He, <laughs> but but whatever he was, he had a different way. I, my buddy across the street was hilarious because he was just a good old boy. He's a diehard NASCAR fan like I am, and we just sit there and laugh. Hilarious. Probably not funny to the, to the, and he didn't, I don't know why he would get so mad about it. I don't think he had any kids. Just slow down when you're going in front of my house. You've lived so many lives. I just realized that this weekend, whenever this whole 30 year class reunion thing is kind of messing with my head a little bit. I think going back and, and go to my niece's wedding last week kind of did that to me too. Are you getting sentimental? I think so, man. That's okay. I mean, that makes sense. I think so. That's a heck of a milestone. Bro, 30 years? Listen, I put my body through the I'm out of here at 25 years old plan, right? 48-year-old Plank, there was no thought that he was still going to be here. And then in all of that, because 48, by the way, at 25 seems super old to me. Now I'm like, dude, I'm young. But it's just, yeah, it's messing with me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Not like in a bad way, but just in a, <laughs> how are you here? <laughs> how did you survive X, Y, and Z? And did you really used to dress like that? And then remembering like those good times, right? It's sure. Just, it's... And it goes by quick. You know, I mean, you hear that, you hear that, you hear that. And for any, any younger person listening to this program. Say, shut up, old man. And to me, it's like, hey, you just turned 33. There's a lot of people that are listening that are like, dude, you, you don't have the license to talk about this. Right. But, you, you know, for our younger audience, uh, you know, t- mid-20s, early 20s, you know, teenagers, it goes by quick, man. You graduate, and then it's like, boom. Boom. You, you know, it's, 
blanket, so, yeah, it's over. It's not crazy for you to get a little sentimental about 30. I knew that I was getting, it's the best way to put it, old. I knew I was getting old whenever people speeding in my neighborhood really bothered me. And that's whenever I knew I was getting old. It's like, these people need to slow down around here. From the 539 off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, guys, I've seen a Twitter account trying to credit USC and UCLA for the realignment madness. I think it was more of an Oklahoma-Texas thing. What do you think? I think it can, I mean, let's, this new phase of realignment is absolutely Oklahoma and Texas. Absolutely. But if you just, I'm reading, (laughs) I was reading an article this morning. Now, I understand that whenever you think of the preeminent source for college football and sports information, everybody goes to yardbarker.com. But I guess this was Shiloh Carter. And it was looking back on 50 years of college football realignment, all the way back to 1971. Bill Conley has an article this morning that takes you back to the 40s. When, uh, and, and even the 30s in conference realignment. I don't – this most recent wave is Oklahoma and Texas because they lose – they move to the SEC. That gets the SEC to 16. The Big 12 pilfers, the American, the independents, and uh, what was – yeah, that's it. They, they took three from the American and they took an independent. The American then pilfered Conference USA. Conference USA had to fight for survival. And then lo and behold, USC and UCLA looked at it and said, we got to get out of here. And started making their push for the Big Ten. So I would say that Oklahoma and Texas really triggered this wave of conference realignment. And, I don't. And yet, I, I agreed. There, there's right, no ahead. doubt. And yet the breadcrumbs do trace back to Nebraska and Missouri leaving this conference. That that was the first. Okay, hey, you've been a you're founding members, mm-hmm. and you're leaving for the Big Ten and SEC respectively. Uh, Colorado, longstanding member of uh, you know Big Eight, Big Twelve, and and you're gone. And so right. when uh, when those things happen, Texas A and M a little bit less because obviously Southwest Conference member, and and then you know you decide to go to the SEC, but Nebraska, Missouri, Colorado, when those decisions happen, it's sort of it's sort of signaled okay, tradition and history doesn't matter anymore. It's about where can I get paid the most, and uh, and yeah, I mean I, I could make an argument that those moves mm. kind of set the the way for Oklahoma and Texas. I, I would almost – see, because it's wild with the gaps. Just can we – since we're talking about my 30-year class reunion that's coming up and me getting all sentimental about life and things like that, but the first move to me that really signaled, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting, was when Arkansas and South Carolina joined the SEC. Now, you, some might go back a little bit further and say, well, how about a 91? And, again, I'm, I'm looking directly at this article from Yard Barker. How about 91? When the, Big East, when the Big East said, hey, let's form a football league. And they did so. The Big East 
added Miami as a full member, Rutgers, Temple, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, football-only members, and Rutgers and West Virginia joined as full members in 95. Notre Dame was a non-football member at the time. I mean, you could almost go back that far. 92, Arkansas and South Carolina to the SEC is wild when you look back at it because of the teams that allegedly were involved in the conversation to join the SEC and said, no thanks, like Florida State, North Carolina, even Miami. I mean, imagine... Oh, <laughs> imagine how different it would be in the in the SEC right now. Instead of adding Arkansas and South Carolina in 92, Josh, Miami and Florida State said yes. Yeah, and there's no way to tell the future, but my gosh, that just looks like such a gaff from where we stand right now. I mean, how, you know, it's like, again, hindsight being 2020, but those schools would be a natural mm-hmm. in the SEC, and they're in this horrible long-term TV deal with the ACC, you know, and again, hindsight being 2020, but then there's been plenty of success, you'd have to say. I mean, Florida State in the, the 90s was uh, a a lot of people would tell you the, the prominent force sure. in, in, in college football. It'd be Florida State or Nebraska. Uh, North Carolina's won basketball championships, right? So they probably wouldn't go back and say, hey, the last 30 years have stunk for us. Uh, Miami, again, uh, similar things, right? Early 2000, uh, get a championship in there. And yet, just uh, where we stand right now, this stitch in time, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, that SEC payout wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> so I don't know where you want to point the finger. It's a hell of a question. But in this way, in this way, I'm with you, bro. I think you turn around and you point the fingers at yourself. Speaking of being sentimental – you know, when, when Penn State, it's funny now, I think about geography. Parker always makes fun of me because I'm so geographically challenged. But to me, when Penn State joined the Big Ten in 93, that was my first moment where I was like, what? That, that's a Big Ten. That doesn't make any sense. It's Illinois. It's the Indiana Hoosiers. It's Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State. What are we doing going to Penn State? What? That makes no sense. And again, Ohio State's fairly close to Penn State now looking back. But it's also one of those situations to where that was the first moment for your boy where he's like, ah, I guess we're not going to get too carried away with geography mattering on this front. Uh, w- one more quick one here from Lone Scout who writes, what about the rumors of the Big 12 recruiting Connecticut and Gonzaga? I feel this way, Josh. I don't know if you feel this way as well. But to me, UConn and Gonzaga are both fallback plans. Now, I don't know. Brett Yormark has been clear that they have a plan, and obviously they've executed phase one because they got Colorado. Now, I don't know if phase one of that plan also included an Arizona or an Arizona State or Utah coming with them. But if you are to believe what Max Olson is selling, there is viewed value in basketball and in the eyes of Brett Yormark, UConn would also bring you the opportunity to get into New York and get into Madison Square Garden, where he feels like there's an appetite for college basketball, and the Big 12 product would be incredible. And I think I think KU fans, Baylor fans, uh, Kansas State fans, I think they'd travel to go see games at MSG if you're playing your conference tournament there eventually, or, or just a tournament of some sort there. I feel like they're pretty set in Kansas City with a conference tournament. But I feel – I mean – 
when I would hear about Fresno State, right, there was a rumor about Fresno State. I feel like those are all fallback plans if they can't get the Arizona and the Arizona States to come, or one of those two. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. And yet you've kind of had, uh, if you're – your mark and the Big 12, I, I think, mm-hmm. well, really, Bullsby, right, because the deal with these these four was done before your mark uh, took it over. He got the TV deal done. But you're sort of projecting, okay, Cincinnati's gone to a college football playoff. Look at some of the things that they've done in basketball. Obviously, uh, Houston, over the years, what they've accomplished in basketball and what could they do with, you know, that monetary upgrade in a, in a Big 12 UCF, their history. You're sort of projecting, okay, if you – give these folks power five access what could they become and you could make that similar argument for a san diego mm-hmm. state fresno state so the big 12 sort of already taken that approach and yet do you want that to be your entire expansion plan probably not i don't know i don't know all right um quick break when we come back let's get a, the texts are really good man texts are really good to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. That is the best way to get in touch with the program. And um, your calls, too, 405-329-9000. And Twitter, at, or X, at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show. Uh, we have to do a little bit of camp talk here at some point, too, right? So let's dive into a little bit of what we expect as OU starts preparing for the season Practice style this week. We got you covered right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. 405-329-9000, Riverwind Casino, jackpot line, 405-651-3439. All right, we got a lot to get to. We got a lot to get to. Um, Here was the theory posed by Andy Staples this morning. Um, Oh, I guess last night. On three, big fan of the Andy Staples podcast. But um, well, tell me what you make of this, Josh. I hope this works. I think this this should work. I've had audio issues, but maybe. Oregon and Washington. Stay. Okay. Why? Because Oregon and Washington. What do you do? Do you leave the Pac-12 or do you stay? The re- response is stay. Because if you are able to get in your hypothetical SMU. Right. In this landscape of we're now going to a 12-team playoff where you are guaranteed, keyword guaranteed, mm-hmm. an automatic berth if you win your conference. Right. Those two teams have an easier path, as we just outlined, than probably any other Power 5 school in the okay, country. Okay, let me throw let me throw this at you. And this is not happening right now. But Oregon would like to go to the Big Ten. Washington would like to go to the Big Ten. I don't think that's happening. The, the Big Ten has shown not a lot of appetite for adding more. Uh, Kevin Warren, when he was commissioner, wanted to add more, but nobody since then, and he's gone. He's with the Bears. What about this? If you're the Big 12, and I don't know that they'd say yes, but you could ask. Oregon, Washington, and Utah. You add them to the Big 12. That is at least a two-bid league every year and probably a three-bid league most years. So – is your path to the playoff really that much harder in a league that could get three teams in? So in this hypothetical scenario, no Arizona. Arizona's going to end up. Listen, I take those three over Arizona in heartbeat. I, I, I take, would too. I'll take better football over better I basketball. Still, I still, I still think I'm waiting out. I'm waiting out the big boys 
I'm waiting out a phone call that I think comes eventually from the Big Ten. It's just not going to come right now. And so, if the because I think the payout seems to be. Knock on wood here. Mm-hmm. They seem to, to, to think that ultimately their media rights payout is going to at least be similar to what the Big 12 has right now. What do you think, Josh? I think that's along the lines of what we were laying out in the theory that's been posed. Now, somehow Clemson and Florida State got, who was it, Jack Mack that threw this theory? I don't know if a theory or a report. And then Junior Miller from the ticket everyone i guess is a college football expansionist now that has a source right. or inside information everybody's got something but you cover the big 10 extensively i mean is there is there this appetite to bring in oregon and washington there doesn't seem to be at least from what i hear and then in that do you feel like that appetite would be so hungry for oregon and washington that they would jump say even to the Big 12 right now because of their frustration with the Pac-12? It just depends on what those guys were talking about right there. If the media Mm -hmm. rights presentation, if the potential grant of rights is comparable or equal to the Big Mm -hmm. 12, then probably, yeah, they they will uh, make the decision to stay. It it makes sense to stay out West, right? I mean, the the schools, as we've – gone down the road on this thing the geographic nature of it has gotten thrown out the window but it makes sense why Oregon and Oregon State and Washington and Washington State and Cal and Stanford and on and on it makes sense why there's a Pac-12 right it makes sense for those guys to play one another and if the money's the same then why would you why would you jump to the Big 12 now if the if the money's substantially lower then it's going to be an easy decision for Oregon, Washington, Arizona, you name it, to jump to the Big 12. So, to me, it boils down to that. As far as the Big 10, no, there's there's not a big appetite to add Oregon, to add Washington. There wasn't from Big 10 fans. Again, this is not Big 10 decision makers. This is Big 10 fans. There wasn't a big appetite to add USC or UCLA. Right. But for the Kevin Warrens of the world, for the presidents and athletic directors that look at long-term sustainability to get into Los Angeles, what that did for this TV deal. Okay. Yes. There was a a major appetite there. Oregon, Washington, are they going to increase per school payouts? Probably not. It would be more of, okay, is the PAC 12 falling apart? Let's go get the two biggest brands. And Oh, by the way, we've added travel partners for USC and UCLA. If, if those other items aren't happening, then you don't have to add those two. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, is there anything here? Oh, by the way, speaking of TV deals, I saw this enter the timeline from the guy that uh, appears to be following this closer than anyone, which is Andrew Marshan. If there is a <laughs> if there is a podcast on conference realignment, it feels like Andrew Marshan has been on it. But let me let me get your take on this. It's from John Oren who does not have necessarily a negative view about the Pac-12 TV media rights contract. But how about this? I mean, this is not necessarily, I think, if you're a truther like I've become, that the Pac-12 can survive. This doesn't seem to be good news. A deal is going to get done. They're going to be announcing something almost certainly uh, by by September, uh, I, I've, I've been told. I, I don't want to make another deadline, but that's that seems like a logical uh, deadline to get. But the idea of these university presidents 
and now the conference commissioner continuously setting deadlines in the sand and then having to sort of backtrack and then knowing that everybody wanted to talk about the media deal during media days and saying, oh, we're doing his best Bill Belichick, saying like, oh, we want to, uh, we're only going to concentrate on football, you know, today was, um, was disappointing. You know what's interesting to me, Josh? George Klivkoff's Pac-12 media day take on conference expansion has now kind of superseded Bob Bowlesby's I sleep well at night without any concerns over the Big 12's place, and then literally Oklahoma and Texas are gone a week later. I feel like that act that we saw, what was that, last Tuesday? Wednesday, maybe? I want, I mean, I want to like Klivkoff, uh, but if I'm – I mean, that might have done more damage for the Pac-12 than anything else that's taken place, even with Colorado leaving, saying, oh, we're, we're not worried about it. The deals get better as time progresses. I mean, nothing could be more factually incorrect than that. You know, and everything that you say, right, to some degree, if you're George Klivkoff, if you're Bob Bowlesby, if you're one of these commissioners, you're getting set, you've been at the negotiation table, but you're getting set to negotiate a media rights deal, right? I mean, we all Mm -hmm. understand that. And yet, so you're fearful to come out and be honest, I guess, right, because you think that you – potentially could be harming the deal. And you and I and everybody has to keep in mind, Clive Kopp is really like uh, any other commissioner. He's a representation for the university presidents and the university athletic directors. In some ways, you're speaking for those individuals. So how honest can you be? And yet, everybody knows you're not in a great situation. And probably you'd earn a little bit of good faith and goodwill if you just came out and said, sure, we're worried about potentially losing schools to the Big 12. Every conference commissioner should always be on guard or worried about losing member institutions. We feel strongly that we can get a media rights deal done, but it would be disingenuous for me to sit up here and tell you that there's not some level of fear or trepidation. Felt like, uh, going back one more quick thing, since we started this segment on it, Andy Staples said it. I thought it was a great point. The Big 12, through this process, has acted like a league that was on its last breath and had to fight and scratch and claw for survival, right? And in a lot of ways, humbled themselves and, and, and got smart and got together and said, all right, let's quit acting angry at OU in Texas. We can be that way, but let's be proactive. This would be even after they brought in the four new teams, and I think Brett Yormark's done an incredible job of, at the very least, changing that mindset, right? Look at the confidence of those who cover this league. Look at the, maybe even the, the borderline arrogance of it. It's, it's wild to see. Meanwhile, you flip to the Pac-12, they consistently act like that their doom isn't imminent. They consistently act like, oh, no, there's a deal there. that um, The other report, I think it was on the RN Martian podcast, the other report was... The Big 12 asked for a fair deal, right? And when the Big 10 went to the negotiating tables, they were asking for like, or the Pac-12, excuse me, went to the table, they were asking for Big 10-type money. And you're like, what? And this was after USC and UCLA had left. So sometimes it helps as a university and a school to have been through something like that. It's such a rare kind of experience to have. 
man, the arrogance of the Pac-12 seemed to permeate throughout this process. Now, hopefully, the attention is could, All right. Could this, you know, university presidents and ADs and such, could they basically just get together and do a vote of no confidence in the commissioner? Mm-hmm. Or is that just, hey, we're going to end up paying this guy such a big exit fee that that's not even a possibility? Because at this point, like what you're saying, and I hear you, is basically the Pac-12 went to the table and, and negotiated in bad faith, right? They, they knew that what you're asking is unrealistic. It's like you're going in to buy a new vehicle, and you're like, well, I'll pay 20000 under sticker price. It's like, you know you're not going to get that, right? So – what is the situation where you can say, you know what, we've get, we've just got the wrong guy trying to negotiate this thing. Let's get him out and get somebody new in. Exactly. But I don't know. I don't know what that power looks like. It, this is good from the 405. He writes the least informed job in sports as conference commissioner. They never know what's going on until the torpedo hits the boat. What an analogy. But yet in that, you know, you go back to Greg Sankey. He, he was the most informed guy in the room. Right? Nobody knew more about what was going on with that league than him. So is it it might just be a matter of confidence amongst your members. I still, gosh, man, I still think back. But someone help me out. It was either 2010 or 2011 at Media Day for the Big 12. Because I think it was 2010. After Nebraska had gone and Colorado was out and no one was really too concerned. Again, not a knock, just truth. No one was too concerned about Colorado, but everyone was really angry about Nebraska. A lot of finger pointing going on. But they had all of the, the coaches standing up. On Everyone was there. Mike Sherman was there looking all uncomfortable. And they announced, no, this league is solid and they're strong together. And then literally like, Missouri and Texas A&M are gone by the next year. So you just – it's a fair point. I think it was Dan Beebe at the time. Poor dude. Never knew what hit him. Basically, don't get in front of a microphone and say, hey, everything's great. Because no one's buying it. No one's buying it. It's all PR. It's all to make you feel better about it. And I don't I don't think these university presidents are dummies. Dude, I, I'm just here to tell you right now. The hardest thing for me to figure out is why Colorado is deemed as additive. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You're all in on Coach Prime. And, and then funny, because this was a move that was even before Deion Sanders was their coach when the Big 12 had started wanting to add him. All right, you guys have takes on this. We'll hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line when we come back. 405-651-3439. We are going to be at OU Media Day tomorrow, manana. So make sure... That you got the app downloaded, KREF, search in your app store. That way you don't miss a second of Josh and I tomorrow live from OU Media Day. And, in fact, we'll be there well before the show. We'll be there starting probably around 7.30 in the morning to get things rolling because Ted Roof and the defensive assistants are talking to the media early at 8 a.m., then at 9 a.m., Jeff Levy. And then at 10 a.m., Brent Venables tomorrow. So tons of Sooner talk coming up. And, in fact, let's hit the text and do some next right here on The Ref. <laughs> All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. This is the home of Sooner fans. During the crossover, during the crossover this morning, which can be heard from about 8.50, 8.48, until the start of this year very radio program, 
Toby asked a, a question that I don't know if we truly in our kind of topics heading into camp, I don't know if we've really gone as in-depth on as we want to, right? We've talked about position battles. Hey, I mean, you can go back to the spring, right? We've talked about guys that were interested in seeing how they fit. We've talked about, you know, newcomers that we're excited to see. But Toby really, he narrowed, he narrowed it down. Who's going to be the guy that is the hit of camp? Every year you have it, right? Every year you have it. Um, even back to the spring. We could do a whole show, Josh, on guys who were the hit of camp that never ended up materializing or developing into what we thought they would be. Right? Guys that you guys that you heard about in camp that were just killing it or crushing it or having a great camp. Then the season came around, it's like, where's Justin Harrington at? Or I was trying to think of a couple more off the top of my head, but my amount of brain cells did not allow me to do it here off the top of my head. I Jalen uh, Jane Gibson was last year the catch in practice that went viral. Drake Stoops, you always have those moments. I think Billy Bowman made a hit in practice. They panned out. Uh, Jane, we'll see. But Toby asked, TJ and I and Toby gave one, the guy that you think will be the hit of camp. Now, Angry Ronnie did check in on this. It was the first text to the show at 405-651-3439. Angry Ronnie said the buzz is going to be Kip Lewis and R. Mason Thomas. Now, I feel like we're all kind of hesitant to put a defensive guy just because you don't really – we don't get to see him truly drop the hammer, right? You're protecting your teammates in these types of instances. But I like those two, don't you? And R. Mason, I mean, that's a guy that came kind of out of nowhere to be a freshman – contributor last year sure and they'll get asked a lot about R. Mason Thomas because he was someone that uh, went and made a bunch of plays as uh, as a freshman wide receiver what, what about Ooh. what about Petaway we all picked three receivers that's who I picked that's who I picked I picked Petaway Jacquez Petaway yeah he is I think that's a good candidate just because in this type of conversation, everybody's looking for a skill guy. Right. And it's a position of need for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Petaway, I, I I don't have an official like website. I don't have team source notes. I don't have a an insider. But I'll just share with you guys everything that I hear when it comes to, to buzz as being built around guys. So with that in mind, I'm not knocking those that have it, but with that in mind, um, all I hear about is Padaway. That's it. That's, that seems to be the dude most constantly brought up. And I'm not comparing him to CeeDee Lamb by any stretch of the imagination, but when CeeDee Lamb first started as a Sooner in, oh gosh, Josh, 17? Um 17 and 2017 his first year when we were going through through camp as a freshman it's all you heard about and i can remember we got the depth chart and i was taping a show with an unnamed coach and i'm like oh looky here cd lamb number one on the depth chart at receiver the coach at the time looked at me and goes he should be he's the best player on the field whoa he's like yeah he goes just wait he's right 
That was a smart man. Was a smart man and a good call. I'm getting that kind of buzz. Again, I want to make this very clear. I'm not comparing the Houston product to CD, but that's the kind of buzz this guy's building. 5'10", hmm. big, strong kid, 185. Um, I just, we'll see. I say big, strong kid. He can move more than, but 185, not bad for 5'10". I guess more than anything, I want to see him in a Sooner uniform. Well, you project beyond this season too, Plank, and you've got somebody in Jaleel Farouk that it makes sense, right, that maybe this would be the final mm-hmm. year. All of a sudden, you tell me that Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, and Jaquez Petaway go out and play really well this season. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm feeling pretty good jumping into the SEC with what Oklahoma's got at wide receiver. And, oh, by the way, they keep stockpiling talent behind those names. Sure. Sure. Toby went with – and did I already mention Toby and TJ? Toby went with Andrell Anthony. TJ went with the Freeman kid, Gavin Freeman. Gavin Freeman, by the way, was the guy that you heard a lot about in preseason last year. That didn't end up playing a ton, but I thought played more than we maybe even realized. He had that big reverse run in the opener. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Two guys last year that had the most buzz in camp that didn't end up playing a, a boatload. Harrington. Harrington and Freeman. Seemed like every event that I went to with with Coach Venables last year leading up to the season, uh, when he would talk about receivers, Gavin Freeman was the guy he would bring up. So I like that pick from one T.J. Perry. Anthony, I think we're just we're counting on him, Josh, to take advantage of more opportunities, a place that's going to throw the ball a little bit more than what he's coming from in Michigan. Because when he was given those opportunities, it seemed as if he made the most of them. Yeah, you know, either Andrew Anthony or – Brennan Thompson, one of those transfer guys. Oh, gosh, keep forgetting about Thompson. I mean, just based on opportunity at Oklahoma, somebody's going to break out, right? I mean, so- somebody got to be a star. Is Thompson going to knock my quote-unquote player to watch L.V. Bunkley Shelton from that ledger? I mean, is he going <laughs> to – because they're both similar players. But I've always got, hey, look out, L.V. Bunkley Shelton, go back to the bowl game, a guy you saw they tried to use a few times. But is the addition of Brendan Thompson just going to make that a cold takes exposed at some point? Maybe. Or for Petaway, it's going to take a little longer. I mean, on and right. on and on. Uh, Andrew Anthony, I mean, take your pick. S- somebody's getting snaps, and probably not everybody's getting the snaps and going to go catch, you know, 50 passes and be a 500-yard receiver for Oklahoma. I mean, th- there's going to be the cream's going to rise to the, the top here. Who's it going to be? You guys have a few takes on it. We'll dive into it next. Top five stories of the day right around the corner. It's the Plank Show on a Monday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Are we talking about guys we think are going to be the hit of camps in anticipation of tomorrow's media day coverage? We'll start at, uh, well, 9 a.m. But, gosh, Josh, we'll, we'll be loaded and inundated with stuff to start the show tomorrow. So don't miss it. Tomorrow, 9 to noon, make sure you have the app downloaded. Go to KREF.com or however you consume, I guess, apps. Whatever platform you use, download our app or tune in, my heart. But I would highly suggest the KREF app. Frisco Sooner says on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to say Jonah Lula. For some reason, I just think he's going to have a breakout year. Sounds like the coaches are pretty pleased with him. We asked Ted Roof about interior defensive line depth, and that was the first name he mentioned. 
brought up how he had gone to media day and how big of a deal that is. Brazil, our media day this year and how big of a deal that is and had great things to say. Brazilian sooner, right? CJ Colden was the opposite of that last year. Nobody saw him coming, missed the spring, then showed to be our best corner last season. Well, that's a good point, Josh. That's another category. <laughs> There's another category of debate, Brazilian sooner. Josh, who's going to be this year's CJ Colton? You hear nothing about him, then all of a sudden you're like, dang, he's good. Yeah, I feel a show coming on. Let's hope there's a, a number of guys just like that. And if there are, and, you know, what you've done out of the transfer portal and the way you've recruited, okay, Oklahoma might have something, which we're all hopeful for this season. Frisco Sooner goes with the tried and true Nick Anderson. I, I, Nick Anderson's just got to be healthy. That's it. What, uh, what was his health issue last year? Hammy, right? Dealt with a hamstring injury. I saw... He's a very impressive young man. I've listened to his pod a couple of times. It's really good. Those guys are doing a good job. You can, you, you know, he since sometimes you see a little bit of Rodney Anderson, and it was like, okay, that's Rodney. But I am, I'm a fan. I want him to stay healthy and get that opportunity. I mean, you go back to even the Florida State game and everyone's off-season crush last year, Jane Gibson. I mean, it wasn't him that was getting the snaps. It was Nick Anderson until he got dinged up. Uh, Zach from the 405 goes with, and I don't mean this as a knock, that low-hanging fruit, right? We try to dig deep and sound smarter than the room, but Zach keeps it simple. Sean McCullough, he's going to lead the league in interceptions and tackles for loss. Boy, that's impressive. Would, has anyone ever even done that? <laughs> that would be quite the twofer to lead in picks and in tackles for loss. And defensive touchdowns, of course. <laughs> Jer- Jeremiah. Vandalay will be tomorrow's buzz. It's going to be all about Vandalay. Art. <laughs> Art Vandalay. Uh, and, then, and then the 580 says DJ Graham, which was one that we were hot on last week, too. Top five stories of the day next.